fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. I'm Caitlin. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News, and then talk about Netflix streaming child pornography with my friend Caitlin. Great. How are you, Caitlin? I, I'm doing well. How are you doing, Jody? I'm doing okay, you know, surviving. We, we delayed this episode because of uh, life circumstances, but we're back on track now. Uh, I think I said last time that I was going to talk about uh, uh, my schooling, and already in this time, my son tried the online schooling. It wasn't going very well, and now I think I'm actually doing homeschooling. <laughs> so, but uh, we're going to see this week. We're going to try the homeschooling and then either decide to pull them or not. Yeah, you can add kindergarten teacher to your resume now. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I mean, like... Uh, Today we, uh, you know, I'm teaching them how to read and and write. I don't know how well it's going. We'll see. I mean, he's a kindergarten. At least at this stage, I can't screw them up too much, right? <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> I mean, I think kindergarten, though, at this age, is meant for socializing and kids learning how to interact with others, right? It's not actually so much about. Yeah the educational component it's more about the social component that they gain from attending school and it's hard Which, because they like that's the one thing that he can't get like even the online component there was nothing about it that encouraged a social interaction with his peers online so yeah but at least he has a sister at home and parents and so maybe he's learning some aspects of socialization hopefully yeah no hopefully i mean what can you really do can't do anything it's covid <laughs> we're trying though we're trying i did want to say i my hope going forward is to stream some stuff on fridays on our twitch channel and so i'm going to do a practice stream this friday at 8 p.m the link to our twitch can be found over on our twitter page which is imperial at imperial news with a z and the goal, I, I think what it, what I plan on doing is just playing some clips from Ezra's show and some of the patrons uh, can go onto the voice chat and we'll watch some Ezra clips and comment on them. And so it's just going to be a test run this Friday. But going forward, if people want to show up to our Twitch on Fridays at 8 p.m., we're going to try to uh, or I'm going to be there every day uh, on Friday. Maybe uh, Caitlin will show up sometimes, but we'll, we'll criticize those uh, videos and have fun with the group. Uh, as a Patreon benefit, if you want to be a voice on those shows, uh, that would start at the $10 or above level. So that's something going forward. I wanted to say that now. I was going to try to do a practice stream last week, but then we didn't have a show, and so I didn't want to do it, and, and I delayed it. But I will be doing a practice stream this Friday. So please show up. Enjoy it. And now, the Imperial Roundup. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. This is what happened on the Rebel from September 14th to September 18th. Ezra interviews True North reporter Cosmin Deserza. Who wrote an article about how the CBC focuses more on Trudeau's hair and socks than about liberal scandals? 
He obtained the, his data uh, by searching for keywords on the CBC's website and then counted the number of search results. Trudeau's hair had 50 search results and his socks had 43. Meanwhile, someone named Marwan Tabara received only 60 search results. Tabara, for those who don't know, is a liberal MP from Kitchener South who was recently arrested over assault allegations. And Cosman argues it should receive far more attention than Trudeau's hair or socks. Cosman admits to Ezra that most of the articles involving Trudeau's hair were about a 2015 conservative attack ad, which mentioned Trudeau's hair. It's the one where it ends where it's like, he's so terrible at all these things, but he's got nice hair though. <laughs> and so this became like big news, but still Cosman blames the CBC for spending so much time talking about it. However, admitting the hair stories are, are from five years ago undercuts his whole point about Tibera, who's only been relevant for the last few years and mostly from the last few weeks when uh, these assault charges were levied against him. Meanwhile, Trudeau has been in the news for decades, so this comparison is not statistically or practically meaningful. And all this uh, is just to be like, look at how biased the CBC is when there are far easier ways to do this that make a lot more sense. I can't stop getting, um, since you mentioned it, the phrase that they had at the conservative attack ad, where it's like, Trudeau, he's just not ready. So when has he ever had to make a tough choice? People, being prime minister is not an entry-level job. I'm not saying no forever, but not now. Nice hair, though. Justin Trudeau, he's just not ready. Nice hair, though. Nice hair, though. Yes, <laughs> and, they of him, and they go, "Oh, he can't do this," but he's 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 a good-looking man. Like awful, <laughs> an awful campaign, and it was everywhere. Yeah. So uh, Ezra claims that the Canadian military is engaged in a psyop against the Canadian public regarding COVID. His evidence is a report that was written by members of the Canadian Joint Operations Command to engage in traditional communication methods to respond to COVID misinformation that could harm Canadian citizens. The plan or report was never approved and never came into effect. Ezra thinks this was the military trying to force people to think a certain way, but nothing in the report involved force. One of the recommendations was to utilize military vehicles with loudspeakers to tell people about how to stay safe during the pandemic. Really terrifying stuff, folks. There was another peace deal, in quotes, in the Middle East, this time between Israel and Bahrain. And Ezra has Joel Pollock on to say this is all because of how amazing Donald Trump is. In reality, this deal is a long time coming after Bahrain began normalizing its relationship with Israel back in 2005 by ending a boycott on Israeli goods. Just as the UAE claimed that their deal would help the Palestinians, Bahrain also thinks this agreement would bring about a two-state solution, although the Palestinian leaders condemn both agreements and Israel hasn't committed to anything. It is also worth noting that Pollock ends this discussion by saying that Israel had experience in building a country literally out of nothing. As if there weren't people already living on that land. It is ironic that these peace deals ignore the Palestinians, as does Pollock's history. It is far easier to colonize and ethnically cleanse people when you pretend they don't exist. Ezra admits part of the Trans Mountain Pipeline is being built in Alberta, which runs contrary to his previous narratives that the Liberals were never going to get it started. 
He still thinks that the liberals plan to never finish the pipeline since he claims they are working with indigenous activists and climate activists to make sure that the pipeline is stopped in B.C., it's very weird that the liberals keep fighting in court to build the pipeline and have started actually building the pipeline, but Ezra still thinks they can't be serious about wanting to build it. Of course, activists are going to try to stop it from being completed, and any delay will be used by Ezra as evidence of some nefarious liberal plot to stop the pipeline they bought and are continuing to build. Ezra thinks that all the health experts are liars because some of the larger end predictions showing millions of COVID deaths have not happened. This confuses two issues. The first is that these predictions are if we do absolutely nothing, which means we have no way of knowing if they would have been true since we did things to try to stop the spread of the virus. The second is that these projections were made when we had less information. Ezra thinks our current levels being lower than these worst case projections is a reason to start opening up now, but that is not the right comparison. What we would need to know is whether or not our current measures are preventing deaths. And given that cases are rising as we're starting to open up, it's likely these COVID measures are actually stopping the spread of this thing. Even if COVID is less worse than initially projected, which I'm not sure that it is less worse, it is still really, really bad and worth mitigating. But Ezra continues to want people to die by downplaying the severity of the virus. Ezra claims that the COVID numbers in Nashville, Tennessee were manipulated to make COVID seem worse than it really is. Rather than trying to address the details, Ezra spends most of the episode complaining about music and how it is sad Tennessee musicians were not allowed to play into crowded bars. This story was picked up by right-wing news sources because of a leaked email where a Nashville health official discussed not releasing low per site COVID numbers. The stated reason for not releasing the information was not to confuse the public in assuming bars are safe, since even low numbers could initiate a spreading event in a crowded bar. Whether this was the right decision or not at the right time, the decision to not release these numbers will now be used by conspiracy theorists to continue to deny the existence or severity of this virus. Ezra interviews a BC doctor named Brian Day, who just lost a case at the BC Supreme Court to try to operate a privatized healthcare facility in Canada. Brian describes his loss by suggesting that Canada is now officially the Soviet Union. Even though we have had national health care for years, and he's in the process of appealing this ruling to the Supreme Court of Canada. The main argument made by Brian and Ezra in favor of a two-tier model of private and national health care is that people have to wait to receive care in the national system and should therefore have the option to pay for faster service. Of course, the two-tier model is only helpful if people have the money to buy themselves to the front of the line, which is why the only solution to long wait times, if our concern is actually helping the most people, would be to fund our health care system. Ezra says that the value of old people is just as valuable as anyone else, and the fact that they are dying because they are waiting to receive healthcare is a tragedy. But if Ezra really cared about old people, he would be advocating for more government funding for healthcare, not this privatized model. But of course, this isn't really about old people. This is about the libertarian dream of deregulation and privatization, since Ezra has been more than willing to advocate for the death of old people during a global pandemic just to save the economy something he just did in the previous segment of the show. 
Drea Humphrey, a new rebel employee, is harassing people on the streets of BC regarding a billboard praising J.K. Rowling. Drea frames J.K.'s comments about trans people as just being worried about the young kids being given hormones and sex reassignment surgeries. Aside from the fact that these are not really the problems, they are also not what J.K. is being criticized for. Rather, she's being criticized for her transphobic comments, including being upset by the statement people who menstruate, arguing that this is somehow undermining women, even though trans men do in fact menstruate and are not women, and some non-binary people also menstruate and still are not women. The only reason Drea brings up children is because child safety is a much more appealing frame, whether true or not, than the reality, which is that conservatives hate trans people for who and what they are. And that's the week. As our September 14th episode was titled, Cuties, new child sex movie by Netflix has given pedophiles an excuse to step out of the shadows. That's a long ass title. (laughs) (laughs) And this means for the purpose and accuracy of this podcast, that Caitlin and I had to watch this movie. Now, I will say that Ezra doesn't talk much about the film itself beyond referring to it as child pornography. He does then backtrack that and say that it isn't explicitly child pornography, but then he like, I guess, re-backs, I don't know what's the opposite of like you backtracked and then you go forward again, is he finally lands on uh, it actually being child pornography because they they got them to audition for a child pornography film. He also says the name of the movie was itself a way of grooming people to think pedophilia is okay since it downplays the sexuality of the kids in the film. Now, if you plan on watching the film, there will be spoilers ahead. So, Caitlin, was this, in fact, child pornography? This is not child pornography. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you describe as child pornography? Children engaging in sexual acts. Right. Were there any sexual acts in this film? Nope. Then this is not child pornography. Now, I guess on the next question, was there any like moral issues in how the children were portrayed in this film? It's walking on a tightrope. That's the best way to say it. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's completely immoral, but I wouldn't say it's like the best portrayal of this issue that she was trying to touch on. I think it's like interesting because like I personally don't think that there was anything immoral with the portrayal of the girls in the film. And remember, just for the audience, that the girls in this film are 11 years old. The thing is, though, I can tell, like, the way that it's shot is supposed to elicit a certain reaction from the audience. And that's where I think is, like, the closeness to the line is that I can tell the director themselves know that they're playing with these, like, these issues of social uncomfortability to a certain extent. I guess the question then is, to what extent there was an actual problem with the portrayal of these kids in the film. And just for the audience who's listening in, what we're getting at is in this film, I guess like a little bit of the plot is that there's this group of kids who form this like dance group called cuties. And throughout the course of the film, their dancing starts off as being somewhat, uh, somewhat risque in terms of 
the kind of dances that we normally interpret as being uh, that adults would engage in. But then as the plot goes on, they get even more, I would say, risque in the sense that the children are doing things like twerking or doing that action where they're like moving their hips and kind of like grinding the floor, if you will. And so the issue that a lot of people I think have with this film and why it's being portrayed as child pornography, even though I will say, I don't think Ezra actually watched this movie is that a lot of people associate those moves with sexuality. Yeah. And so they read sexuality onto the acts themselves, even though I would say the, that the director did a good job of making it known that these children are not do not fully understand what they're doing. There's some aspects in which like they're sexual, like they're coming to terms with the reality of sex and culture, but they still don't have a full grasp of it. Right. So there's, uh, there's scenes where they're like watching porno. They themselves are watching pornography on a phone and they're talking about it, but it's clear that what they're talking about, it only vaguely grasps what's going on in, in what they're watching. Right. And so I think part of what's being portrayed by this director is to sort of like have these kids do something that they themselves don't know to what extent they're pushing that boundary. But then that makes the audience uncomfortable because you're seeing these children do acts that we normally associate with adults. Yeah. Now, I guess in that sense, like I personally don't have like a moral problem with that because for me, I don't think that 11-year-olds are sexy no matter what they're doing. And I also don't think that moving your hips is inherently sexy, right? Because I think a lot of like the worry is that people see these girls moving in a certain way and they say they're doing something that's sexual or sexual in nature. And to me, I don't see it that way because I don't see 11-year-olds as sexy. But you can see how because it's walking right up close to that line that people feel uncomfortable when they watch it. The director, though, interviewed over 100 girls around that age and asked them to talk about what it was like growing up and talked about, I think, like womanhood and what it became, what it meant to become a woman. And she was saying that she was just depicting this film based on those interviews and her own experience as an 11-year-old growing up in France. For sure. I mean, that, that was the other thing that I was going to say was that I know, I know people like I know 11 year old kids or people who were 11 year old kids that dressed and behaved like these kids did. Yeah. And so even the director themselves said they were partly inspired to make this film by seeing a dance troupe of 11 year old girls doing the kind of moves that she portrays in this film and how even like the audience that was watching them was uncomfortable. And I will just uh spoiler, the final dance routine that happens, the audience is like booing them and like, uh, and like grossed out that they're performing these acts on stage. Yeah. With the exception of a few, like this is the interesting thing though, is like she at least admits to the male gaze, like that there are going to be creepy pedophiles in the world. And so there are a few people in that audience where you look at them and you go, Hopefully you were told to be portrayed <laughs> like a bit creepy. There's also the scene where they sneak into like a laser tag room and one of the security guards is really creepy and creeping them out. And so yeah. 
there are these aspects of the male gaze creeping on these 11 year old girls which i think is also a way of like sending a message to the audience that there could be people watching these girls in that way and it's and it's done in a way where i don't think it's supposed to say that those people are good people right yeah I guess like another thing that I heard about like this aspect of the film and this this like the reason why we're talking in this broad aspect and focusing on these things is because this is the thing that most people are reacting to about this movie. And so is the portrayal of them being in this sexualized nature or portrayed that way. And the other argument that I heard from some of the, the critics that were really upset about this film was that it was wrong to even cast these people as 11 year olds because in, in some sense that was an act of sexual exploitation. Do you like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it's definitely sexualizing young girls, but I mean, like that's kind of the reality that young girls go through. <laughs> I just don't understand that argument. Cause I'm just like, many times I've been hit on as an 11 year old by creepy old men. And literally, it doesn't even matter what you look like. You could be walking down the street wearing sweatpants and there's some guy honking out of his car and that's just the normal part of growing up. Or it's just like this this pressure, even when you're as a tween, to like feel like you need to, to be a sexual being, like overly sell yourself as a sexual person. I don't know. Like, I think that's what it's commenting on. Or it's just even like the coming of age for a lot of young girls is this like becoming a sexual person or like needing to be sexual under, under the male gaze, like for men, not for, for yourself. And then I think a lot of times once women, you know, in their mid to late twenties or maybe even early twenties go through another kind of coming of age where they can feel a little more empowered. It's actually like, I don't know. Like, I, I just think of, like, friends that I grew up with and common stories I've heard among many girls. And it was either, like, you were kind of, like, a true and that awkward kid growing up. And then maybe you came about in, in, in university or college. But then you have, like, a large group of young girls who grew up doing all these things. And they're not doing it because they like it. They're doing it because it was what they were taught as young girls to get attention and feel like they have some sort of self-worth. Yeah, I mean, that's portrayed in the movie very well, too, because, I mean, there's, like, one one thing that's, like, really not believable is she ends up stealing her cousin's phone. But the unbelievable thing is, like, she has the phone for what feels like a month or, like, weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and the cousin is totally oblivious to where this photo's got. Uh, but there's... She keeps posting images and stuff on social media and finding the more sexual or the more typically sexual that she performs, the more likes she gets on the device, right? And I don't yeah. even think it necessarily comes into this person, like the young girl, Amy, the character Amy, is thinking to herself, this is like, I'm gonna be sexual. She's just doing, if I copy these things, it's the thing that's gonna get me the most like and attention on social media, right? It's not even yeah. thought of necessarily in terms of sexuality, at least. That, that's my impression from watching the film. It's like, I don't even think she thinks of what she's doing in terms of sex or sexuality. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I guess, and I think a lot of young girls are in that position. Yeah. In, the rea in reality, not in just the movie. 
for the sake of completion, I want to go back to the Ezra episode and go through a few things because as, as using this film as a jumping point, Ezra wants to paint our culture as being uh, liberals are everywhere promoting pedophilia and he's going to give us a bunch of bullshit that's not actually true. And it's all to paint this narrative of, again, pedophiles everywhere. Yeah. So Ezra jumps from talking about this movie to saying that the sex ed curriculum in Ontario, which was uh, has since been revoked by Doug Ford, but that was passed by the previous liberal uh, administration. Uh, he says that it was grooming kids for sex because it was teaching kids in grade one technical words for sex. And I don't know if you have thoughts on this, <laughs> but I think it's pretty stupid. Like why? Yes. I wasn't doing that. <laughs> one like things like gender pronouns and like the dangers of like using the internet and. I I want to say something. We we taught our kids when they were learning to speak the names of their genitals and stuff like this, right? Is that what he means by a technical word for sex? Because those are the things that they're teaching in grade one or words. Yeah. And it's like, maybe yeah. it's a good thing that your child knows what their penis is called. Yeah, well, I think I have more. There's definitely going to be people even on the left who disagree with me about this, but definitely have this like pro-sex approach to, I think, raising kids. Like, I don't like when parents shame their kids for being curious about sex or trying to understand sex. Like, I just think that that's not good because you create unhealthy relationships and fear and shame around sex, which it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that. It should be the opposite. But it also allows them to communicate to people who are responsible and care for their well-being if they mm -hmm. are in situations in which they're being exploited or being touched inappropriately, right? If you don't give them the language to express that, like how do, how do they know how to react to those situations, you know? Yeah. But anyways, he then goes on and claims that the former deputy minister of education, somebody named Benjamin Levin, who was arrested in 2013 and pled guilty to the possession of child pornography, he claims that this person was responsible for writing the sex ed curriculum, even though the sex ed curriculum was released in 2015 and he was arrested in 2013. Not only that, Levine was the deputy minister of education only from 2004 to 2007, which was prior to when this new sex ed curriculum was created. And also uh, deputy ministers don't actually write the sex ed curriculum. What they do is they assign educators to do it and the experts do it. And then it gets like sorted out. So he, he yeah. might have played some role in something like that. But the other, the other thing to add to that is like, even if he played some minor role in it, what we got in Ontario is very similar to what has been taught in Quebec and other provinces. So it's not even, yeah. <laughs> it's not even that extreme. Ezra then begins to criticize the sexualization of kids by pointing to a child drag queen show. And he doesn't talk about other beauty pageants like uh, toddlers and tiaras and stuff on TV or Miss Teen USA that Trump used to be a creep on. Uh, and you can tell, like, what's happening here, and this is frequent within all these, like, uh, worries about sex panics, is that uh, 
that there's an issue with LGBT and pedophilia and there's somehow some close relationship there. And I think that's what Ezra is trying to play on here by going, look, there's children in drag queen shows. So therefore gay people are somehow in on the pedophilia. Yeah. But there's also this thing about like, like gay people just inherently or thinking that they're inherently more sexual. Like people have these false stereotypes that gay men are just like, extremely sexual and their whole identity and who they are is around sex. And so if you like tie anything to do with being gay, it's like overtly sexual, even, even talking about the fact that two guys could be married and not even talking about it in a sexual way just makes it sexual somehow. Yeah. And like, makes I don't want to hear what's it. going on in your bedroom. Ugh, I'm grossed out. Yeah, exactly. It'll be like, you know, Dave married Bob and they lived happily ever after. And the, the parents are losing their shit thinking that you're talking about sex when you're talking about a happy marriage. Yeah. And it's just this like awful homophobic thing that a lot of, that a lot of people do, or when they hear like gay, they associate it with sex like right away. And it's just crazy because being gay is much more than who you have sex with. And it's the same thing with, with trans and the idea that they want to use your washroom not to shit, but to sexually molest you in some capacity, right? Yeah, there's just something about like, when you're talking about these different identities, it's so deviant and taboo, and you associate deviants with like these deviant sexual acts. So you think they're they're these kind of people, automatically. Yep. He then moves this to a chat about Hollywood generally. So he's he's hitting all the tropes, right? <laughs> and he asks, is Harvey Weinstein the only casting couch that had rape? And my guess is like, probably not. And then he goes, do you think that Harvey Weinstein's casting couch in Los Angeles was the only place that would-be movie stars were raped? And what are the mothers who agreed to sell their children to this factory? And my reaction to that is like, why are you blaming the mothers? Not only, So it's seemingly he's blaming the mothers for their children being raped because they sent them to Hollywood. But also it's like, what does mothers have to do with that? Like if an adult yeah. wants to go to fucking Hollywood, they can go to Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Which is again, like, it's just like this casual misogyny that like seeps out of him. Because like, I don't even think he thought that line through. Yeah. That, I love this one too. So then Ezra goes from that to criticizing uh, Barack Obama and Prince Harry. And my guess is he's choosing them because they're two people that he loves to constantly talk about on his show. And he criticizes them for both having Netflix shows. And, not, and so they have Netflix shows and they haven't spoken out about cuties. And this means that they're the equivalent of Ben Levine, who's the child pedophile in the liberal administration back in 2007. And they're the equivalent of Weinstein. And they're complicit in pedophilia. And he compares them to the assistants who booked Harvey's hotel rooms uh, so he could rape people. Just for having shows on Netflix. (laughs) For those at home, Caitlin has got a look on her face. (laughs) Yeah. There's pedophiles everywhere. He then reads headlines from reputable news sources saying that the conservative backlash against this film is not based in reality, which now we're a part of this. 
And he says that the evidence is, uh, or this is evidence of mainstream news promoting pedophilia. So. What have you done? I mean, like, this just falls in line with like the QAnon conspiracies of like, was it like the Democrats have a secret sex trafficking ring? So Ezra then reads a tweet by Tulsi Gabbard saying this film will promote child sex trafficking, as well as Nancy Pelosi's daughter, apparently, who says something similar. He then focuses on a reply to those tweets, accusing them of being QAnon adjacent. Ezra then says about QAnon. What's this QAnon? I've talked a bit about QAnon or Q on my noontime show. It's a conspiracy theory. It's rumors and gossip and signs and trust the plan. It's a bit mystical, to be candid. I don't buy into it. I don't see much harm in it. I will remind our audience that QAnon has inspired people to kill people and has also uh, been involved in, I don't know, a guy... Well, I guess the predecessor involved inspiring a guy to bring a gun to a pizza shop to find a basement that didn't exist. And uh, they're now starting to become members of Congress. There's almost going to be for certain a member of Congress after this uh, election in America who believes in QAnon, which is this idea that there's this Trump is working with the deep state to round up all these pedophiles, including the Democrats who are in on it, and they're harvesting these children in some sort of satanic ritual to drink adrenochrome to live forever. Yeah. You know? And so at least Ezra doesn't buy into it, but him saying that he doesn't see the harm is... Ezra, you're a fucking idiot. (laughs) He then says that the only harm from QAnon are people who spend all day, like Dan Brown, Dan Brown, who's famous for writing the Da Vinci Code. So they spend all day like Dan Brown connecting dots and reading secret scrolls instead of actually going out and doing things. So what he's saying is that as long as you're actually doing things in terms of fighting the leftists in the real world, he has no problem with you having fun and connecting all these dots. It's just a bunch of fun. Ezra does like the fact, though, this is like how he frames it. He's like, he does like the fact that they're against child trafficking. And he doesn't understand... Uh, people who counter-protest QAnon for being against child sex trafficking. Yeah. He then refers to some Georgia story where it said something like 30 children were saved from sex trafficking. uh, And he gives Trump the credit for this. He's trying to give QAnon credit. So he just said that he doesn't believe it at all, blah, blah, blah. But he thinks that somehow QAnon's having this effect, that it's actually doing something good for the world. Yeah. Like rounding up these child sex traffickers. Now, here's the thing is, this case in Georgia, the interesting thing there is that these 30 children were not all round up at once. It was over like several years and their individual people here and there, which is the thing. Most child sex trafficking occurs within families and people you know and involves one or two people. It's not usually something like the Catholic Church or Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, no, I know. And so... This case in Georgia is used as evidence that somehow Trump is disrupting these sex child trafficking rings when none of these, there's no evidence that these kids were actually sex trafficked. There's some evidence that they were trafficked. And even then it was mostly within families and over several years time. So then more evidence. Ezra then says California passed a pedophile bill. I'm not even kidding. California's Democrats just approved and their Democrat governor approved, just passed a law saying that you don't have to register as a sex offender for having gay sex with a child as long as you're not more than 10 years older than the victim. So if, if the predator's 20 
years old, and the child victim is 11 years old, you're now exempt from the sex offender registry. Why would they pass that law? I know that sounds crazy. Here is the law. I read it myself because I thought that can't be right. How could you pass that law? So it's the actual law. So this is so fucking stupid. There was a law in California already for uh, straight people, heterosexual people, that basically argued that when, when the gap between an adult and a child is close, that it's under the judge's discretion. So I'll give you an example. Say an 18-year-old sleeps with a 17-year-old, but that is under the law statutory rape. The judge might lower the severity of that 18-year-old's like uh, uh, criminal charge or conviction because like, it's a gray area, right? Like, it would be one thing if it was like rape. It would be another thing if it was a consensual relationship and they're really close in age. And it's, it's not a clear-cut case, right? So in cases like that, judges were given discretion for heterosexual relationships. And that was already in the law but it was not provided for gays. Sodomy was just outright illegal in those cases. So all yeah. the law did was open it up such that in those cases, judges would have discretion. Hi, future Jody here. I just felt I wasn't as clear as I could have been in this segment. And so I just want to specify, Ezra focused on the fact that there was uh, an issue in registering as a sex offender. And so this new bill that's being pushed uh, in California, uh, everything I said here is correct in that it's about the discretion that judges have in cases where statutory rape is between, say, people who are closer in age rather than uh, farther apart in age. So an 18-year-old with a 17-year-old versus what Ezra is pointing out here, a 20-year-old with an 11-year-old. And so what this law is doing is it's removing this automatic registration. So for homosexuals who engaged in one of these cases, so even if they were a 20-year-old to 11-year-old or an 18 or a 17-year-old, there was no judicial discretion between these two cases, where in heterosexual cases, judges did were able to have this kind of discretion. So this means that what they've done is removed this automatic registration to the sex uh, offender registry. And Ezra is then saying that they won't be registered at all. But that's not exactly what the law is saying. What the law is saying is now it's in, under the judge's discretion. So I guess potentially in maybe some weird world, a judge could say, that a 20-year-old that had sex with an 11-year-old doesn't have to be a registered sex offender. But what are the odds of that happening? And I'm sure if a judge did that, they would receive blowback. The point of this is to say that the judges should have discretion because these two cases that I've just laid out here, an 18-year-old with a 17-year-old and a 20-year-old with an 11-year-old, there should be some discretion there. And it's also weird that you have uh, it's okay to have that discretion in the case of heterosexual cases, but not in the case of homosexual cases. So uh, Ezra's still an idiot. I just thought I would clarify. Now back to the show. Ezra then talks about Eric O'Toole and how he tweeted criticizing the film. And he's mad that media organizations then criticized Eric. But I, I wanted to just say that the thing that pissed me off was not the criticisms. Like, I'm mad at the media because they should have been retweeting that. Hey, maybe... Maybe the, the leader of the conservative party should not be retweeting 
a fucking Islamophobe, homophobe piece of shit called Andrew Lawton, who is what our the leader of the conservative party ended up retweeting to to make this point about the movie cuties yeah he ends all of this by going where where's the lie here QAnon, they're, they're like spreading all this good information <laughs> and he's like he's like just look at all the information i just went over which is so perfect and like correct which is ironic given that i just went through all the information and how bullshit it is but yeah so he's he's it's weird because he's at the same time distancing himself from QAnon, but also embracing it. Yeah, but Ezra has uh, always done that, right? Like even with Alex Jones, he hasn't full on engulfed the Alex Jones conspiracies, right? You don't hear him going like the globalists are coming, right? Like in the fucking <laughs> voice of Alex Jones. Um, but he would be like, "Are the globalists coming? I don't know. It's for you to decide." No, you're right. And and that's the move because it creates a bit of plausible deniability so that yeah. if any media figure comes at him being like, he's promoted QAnon, he'll go, uh-uh-uh, look what I've done. Meanwhile, what he's done is said that QAnon is right about like all this other shit that's bullshit. I just think they're wrong about Dan Brown connecting dot stuff. Yeah. Like he's like, whoa, that might be too far out there. And I need to sound like a good wholehearted conservative. That's not a crazy, right? Because that's his whole like tone that he goes with is calm, educated, you know, got my law degree that I was disbarred from though. Awkward. <laughs> I think the other part of it too is getting, having the QAnon people that clearly watch his content still support him. <laughs> Like, there's an element in which he wants to say, like, he wants to distance himself from it for the reasons that you're saying, but then he also wants to give them a wink and a nudge to be like, but I still think you're right, so still continue watching my stuff and I love you, right? Yeah. And give me yeah. money! <laughs> and sign my petition. <laughs> Cuties away from Netflix. I'm surprised there isn't a petition. I wanted to end by saying, like, there, there is a thread linking QAnon to other movements in the past, like the Satanic Panic in the 90s. And a lot of articles have been written lately that I've enjoyed. There was one in Mother's Jones, I'll link it in the show notes, that basically argued that conservatives have consistently used child sex panics like this to win over white suburban women to vote uh, Republican through this idea of like, there's child predators everywhere and they're coming to get your kids. And this freaks them out enough that they, they vote for Republicans who are strong law and order and are going to catch all these like predators. Right. Yeah. So this happened in the nineties. There's still people in jail to jail today who were arrested in the sex panic in the nineties over psychological processes that we know are not accurate today such as like regression therapy and hypnosis and stuff like this so basically they used to regress people and the psychologist would implant into a person's memory that they were a victim of like some ritualized sexual abuse where the like they aborted fetuses on satanic altars and like eight children and the biggest evidence that this never happened was there were so many people who came forward and said that this happened, which would have required millions of babies just being eaten all the time. 
and there's no evidence that all these babies were missing or being eaten. So, yeah. And it's the same thing today. QAnon keeps on talking about like there's there's these mole children that are living in the basements of these like child predator dungeons, and eventually they're gonna like crawl from the wreckage, and the QAnon people are going to like save the children and like bring them into to uh, society and raise them as as good people. And and this is like really like the the problem with QAnon because like they're starting they're taking away from groups now that are actually helping kids who are being trafficked by family members and other things by making about something that isn't real. And so they think that they're saving children and they're actually putting children more in danger. Including, and this is like, the other thing is there's been several uh, incidents lately where QAnon people have kidnapped their kids because they feel like they're saving them from child predators and they're becoming the child predators by kidnapping their own kids and like forcing them out of situations in which we're perfectly safe and fine. And this is happening now, all because of this bullshit. Someone... Caitlin and I have worked with at other protests was a re- arrested. Her name is uh, Leela George, and she was arrested for going to the land back protest uh, outside of Caledonia. I thought she was, yeah. Was she not arrested for mischief? So it wasn't just mischief. I'm going to read a statement that she released. On September 16th at approximately 1 p.m., I was contacted by the Ontario Provincial Police and informed of their grants to arrest me for mischief in connection with the occupation of 1535 Mackenzie Road, commonly known as Mackenzie Meadows. They informed me if I did not re- if I did not turn myself in that there would be a warrant for my arrest. At around 5 p.m., I arrived at the OPP office in London, Ontario. I was not allowed to bring a support person inside with me. Two officers sat with me in a room where I was read and given an undertaking that included a second charge of disobeying a court order, Section 127.1 Criminal Code. Some of the conditions include not going to 1535 Mackenzie Road, our traditional territory that their jurisdiction cannot be proven due to the Haldemade Proclamation. Another condition includes that I am not allowed to participate in unlawful protests. As of today, I am one of 29 people that have been arrested. My court date is December 1st, 2020 at 1 p.m. via Zoom courtroom number one. I stand with my people and fully support the occupation of 1492 Land Back Lane. This is clearly another way to attempt to silence us and dismantle the open and outpouring support across Turtle Island. I will continue to use my voice as the, the best way I know how. Stand tall. All nations rise. Layla. I just wanted to say this is an ongoing issue. There was also the issue uh, out east involving the Micmac and their ability to fish for lobsters. And there are still issues in our country regarding our indigenous population. We are going to continue to promote the legal fund for all the people who are being arrested in connection with land back. Again, Layla herself said that what she did there was play lacrosse and enjoyed a potluck. And so that that was the mischief that she was getting involved in, which she ha- now has to go to court. So her court date is December 1st. There's going to be some action around that. I don't know all the details yet, but we got some time to prepare for that. And uh, I wish her all the best. And I hope we resolve these things. And I hope they get their land back because 
because Canada sucks. If you enjoyed what you heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we are doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News of a Z. We have a private Facebook group called Imperial News. We also have a Discord set up. You can find the link on our Twitter. You can also find, we now have like all of our links, uh, including our Twitch account. And remember, this Friday, 8 p.m., I will be streaming. And you can go uh, watch us there. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striatom.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And may the liberal government continue never, not now, always building the Trans Mountain Pipeline indefinitely sometime into the foreseeable whenever. Ridiculous. Albumia, Albumia, how lovely are your wheat fields.